Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Right now, we're going to talk to Aaron Schultz. Well, boys, it's officially spring here in Aotearoa, which means it's time to whip out the barbecue. It was a great day yesterday, I must say. Grab a cold one and watch some American football. Yes, the NFL has returned, and it all begins tomorrow when the defending Super Bowl champs play host to Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills in LA. As always, there's been no shortage of drama in the offseason, and it brings us up to date on the storylines entering the new season, football outsider analyst Aaron Schatz. Morning, Aaron. It's great to have you on, mate. Appreciate you coming through. How you doing, mate? Good, good. Good morning. Good afternoon here. Good morning to you. Uh, thanks for having me on. No, appreciate it, mate. It's been a long seven months, but we're finally here tomorrow night. Buffalo Bills taking on defending champs, mate. You must be super excited about this time of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Like I have done the preseason now for a couple of months. We've been promoting our preseason book, which is called Football Outsiders Almanac 2022. And I'm kind of tired of it and I'm ready to play some actual games that matter. So I'm excited for the season to start tomorrow. Hey, Aaron, is it right there's a number of rookie um, quarterbacks coming through the competition this year? And, it, and, and who's the top pick for you this year? Yeah, the rookie quarterbacks this year were not very highly regarded. Only one of them went in the first round, which is Kenny Pickett, who went to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he's not going to be starting from right at the start of the season. So I think he's the one most likely to play this year. But the one we like at Football Outsiders is actually Desmond Ritter. Our film analyst, Derek Klassen, thinks that Ritter is the furthest along of any of these quarterbacks. And he was a third-round pick by the Atlanta Falcons. All right, I'm going to ask you the question uh, regarding my Carolina Panthers. I'm a big fan. Obviously, Cam Newton, he was there, but they've got Baker Mayfield now for the Panthers. Well, how do you see them going about this year? Can they have? Can they gain a bit more momentum and get back to no, some winning ways? You, we're not <laughs> big fans of the Panthers this year. I mean, I think Mayfield oh. is better than Sam Darnold was, but their defense, um, you mm. know, has some good players on it, certainly Brian Burns and J.C. Horn, and it might be good, but we don't, you know, see any reason for their offense. See, 
Mayfield in Cleveland, he did this offense where it was really based on the strong offensive line, the run, lots of play action, fake, you know, run fakes. And the guy who's running the offense in Carolina, Ben McAdoo, doesn't like to do any of that stuff. So we can't imagine they're going to run an offense that's going to be good for him. Deborah, who, do, who do you think out of the teams that didn't perform last year um, are going to be pushing for the uh, playoffs this year? Uh, we like Minnesota to be better this year. Their offense in particular with the Kevin O'Connell, their new head coach running things, uh, we really like. Uh, Baltimore suffered so many injuries last year, more injuries than any team we've measured in 20 years. And so we think that Baltimore is definitely going to be better this year. Um, and Las Vegas got into the playoffs, but they weren't actually that good. <laughs> and so we think they're actually going to be better this year and possibly sneak into the playoffs again, but, but be a better team than they were last year. What about the Steelers, mate? Mitchell Trubitsky has been uh, given the reins for, for week one of the Steelers. Obviously, uh, Roethlisberger has been there for a very long time, mate. How are the Steelers looking? Can they get back to winning ways as well? Well, we have the Steelers with our number one projected defense for this year. Mm. But we also have them with our number one projected hardest schedule for this year. So it's going to be tough. We think their offense is going to be below average, whether it's Trubisky or Pickett at quarterback. Mm. So even if their defense is good, unless their defense is great, that schedule is going to keep them from the playoffs. Mate, you talk, you're talking a lot about analytics. Just um... – this DVOA that you've created, can you explain a little bit to us about what that is? Sure. So DVOA stands for Defense Adjusted Value Over Average. It's the stat we've been doing at Football Outsiders for 20 years. Basically, we measure every play in the NFL and how successful it is. Then we compare that to a league average baseline that's adjusted for situation and opponent. And it gives you a general idea of how efficient a team is on offense and defense. That's awesome. That's a that's a quality stat. So, so Aaron, Aaron Donald will be at the top of that one, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't have it for defensive players, unfortunately. But if yeah. we did, <laughs> Aaron Donald. I mean, any stat that anybody has created to measure defensive players, Aaron Donald basically blows everybody else out of the water. Yeah, oh, mate, he's a freak. Look at the nickies in, eh? He takes his shirt off at the parade, and wow, he's ripped them more than any bloody backs down here and down under, mate. Uh, what about the Buccaneers? Fans be worried about Tom say, Brady's you, conditioning? First of all, can you believe that people thought Aaron Donald was quote-unquote undersized when he was drafted? Like, he does not look undersized. <laughs> oh, um, mate, he is an we, we have learned not to bet against Tom Brady. He does not follow the same age rules as everybody else. And therefore, um, you know, we expect him to have another really good season. Eventually, he's going to hit some kind of wall. We just, we just don't want to bet that it's going to be any specific year. It's going to happen. We just don't know when. What about Cincinnati and L.A.? Do you think they've got the biggest chance of returning to the Super Bowl? Uh, we like the Rams better than the Bengals. The Bengals were actually really just an average team last year in the regular season that got hot in the playoffs. Now they're better this year because they fixed their offensive line, but we don't have them as a favorite in their conference, whereas we have the Rams as one of, if not the top team 
in their conference this year. Like they're still really strong on offense and defense. I mean, the secret to the Rams is they have a few superlative, great players. And then they have a lot of holes, but they cover them up with how good guys like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford can be and the strong coaching of Sean McVay. So we, I think if you're asked who's more likely to get back, I'd say the Rams. But this is a year where it doesn't mm. feel like it's likely to be one of the teams that made it last year. Like the top teams this year are primarily teams that didn't make it last year. In fact, teams that haven't made it in a couple of years, like the L.A. Chargers and the Baltimore Ravens and the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, mate, Cooper Cup, he was sensational last year. He was just a man that did it all. Obviously, over 2,000 receiving yards. Whew, freakish year from him. But the, obviously, losing Odell, what's the, what, is the, what is the latest with Odell Beckham Jr.? Has he retired? No, Odell Beckham plans on playing. He's just not okay. signing anywhere until he gets healthy. I think what uh, okay. Beckham is doing is he's waiting till about mid-season, and by then his knee should be healthy, and he'll sign with whoever he thinks gives him the best shot to win another championship. He might go back to the Rams. I mean, the Rams have mm. kept his locker open for him, and they would welcome him back. But, you know, yeah, there's some just... talk that the Buffalo Bills might be interested in it. Yeah, if he's healthy, man, there is no one better than Odell Beckham Jr., and that partnership he forged with Cooper Cup was very... Very good. What about Kansas City? Kansas City, can Paddy Mahomes get back? I thought he had a pretty quiet, quiet year. He probably didn't have the receivers. He's got a bit of arsenal this year. Can can he get back to winning ways? We do have them as our number one projected offense. And I'll pick Patrick Mahomes as my best candidate for MVP every year until he retires. I mean, he's that good. But uh, we have their defense declining, and they do have a tough schedule. So I actually am going to pick the L.A. Chargers to nose them out in that division. I think the Chiefs will still be one of the top teams in the league, but I, they don't feel like a Super Bowl team to me this year. Hey, Aaron, you guys obviously um, specialize in analytics, as Kempi just said before. What about the phenomenon of sports betting in America? Obviously, it's it's happened for a long time, and Vegas is, we all know what Vegas does for markets and all that sort of thing. But as it's opened up in more states, have you found that people are using your data and the data which is readily available more so than ever before to try and dabble their hand at actually becoming gamblers more so than, have you seen the market expand, I guess is the question? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Like what has changed in America since sports betting became legal in multiple states? It's unbelievable how much the market has expanded. And it has absolutely created a much larger market for sites like mine and websites that do analytics that are used by bettors. Absolutely. There's no question. Sports betting right now is huge in the United States. Yeah, and, and do you guys, I mean, is there any way to work out who's got the best data? Because there are many ways to spin a cat, right? A skin a cat, right? There's so many different ways, you, and you talk about DVOA and what you created there. People can essentially create their own stats. There's that much data in American football because everything is yards. It's so readily accessible. There's camera angles for everything. So is there almost a competitive market for who can produce the best data and analytics? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have competitors. We have sites that we compete with, absolutely, as well as people who are just doing things free on Twitter. There's a robust analytics community revolving around American football. It's an international analytics community. Some of the best analytics people in football are in the UK, oh. are in Germany, are in Hong Kong. Like, 
places you would never expect top analytics people for American football. Like it's a really growing industry. Great question, Louis. Great question. Great answer there. Um, appreciate it. I've got a message through from Brett. He is a Miami Dolphins. I was going to ask you about Tua, Tua Tungavailoa and his uh, year, but have they strengthened their O-line enough to give Tua enough time to bring Hill and Jaden Waddle into games to make them contenders? That is a message from our listener, Brett. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, they really mm. improved at left tackle by signing Teron Armstead. And the idea is that that bumps guys to easier positions, and that's going to make life easier for their other offensive linemen. But their other offensive linemen have been pretty bad the last couple of years. So I don't know how it's all going to work. Miami is a team that people are very curious about because they're going to run an, a whole new offensive scheme under their new coach, Mike McDaniel, that is like the diametric opposite of what they did last year. And so we're all wondering what it's going to look like. Beautiful, mate. There you go, Brett. Your Miami Dolphins, the unknown. We'll see it going forward. Appreciate your time, Aaron Schatz, uh, talking all things NFL. And thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing all that, mate. Appreciate it. with Tony Kemp. Yes, well, we all think what could have been. Remember that question you were asked when you were a kid. What do you want to be when you grow up? I think I wanted to be a fireman driving big engines, lots of lights, big noise. Does that sound familiar, is he? Well, the NRL is at the top of any young player's dreams, isn't it? Big lights, big engines, and loads of noise. But recently, for some of our players, is not it is not the pinnacle of their focus. Chanel Harris-Tavita has decided in the prime of his career to hang up his boots and just let life happen. With the world at his feet financially and physically, he has decided that rugby league is not the be-all and end-all and everything in his life. And I say well done, son. If you have a desire to pursue other life experiences rather than professional rugby league, then get out there and go for it. I know one thing, your body will appreciate it and so will your mind. And at the end of the day, it's just the game. If we aren't careful moving forward, our kids stepping into professional sport will be expected to deliver so much more than just football on the football field. The expectation driven by performance personnel and coupled by the media can really wear a person down. Athletes are not commodities. They can't be prodded and poked to produce games for media or private owners. And at the end of the day... They are just talented individuals individuals who need time to reset and refresh. CHT needs to be commended for recognising this, and for me, I fully support his endeavours. Go well, enjoy. Chanel Harris-Tavita, explorer of his own destiny. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Beautifully written there, Kempy. Uh, honestly, I applaud him as well, mate. And he's made that courageous decision. You think as a young bloke... Your, your, your dream, everyone's dream is playing in or in or around. There's going to be many more that could come through, but he has made his decision to go out and, and pursue life outside of rug, uh, rugby league. And uh, I don't, do you know what he's going to do, Kempe? Have you got a little inkling what he's going to get into? I think he wants to just do what most you know kids in their twenties want to do and go travelling and and yeah. explore the world. You know, it's, it's sort of you look at what happened last week to Latrell Mitchell, for instance. You know. Mm. Um, every time he caught the ball, he got booed. You know, the, the sad thing about that is that he actually represented the club pretty well for the Roosters when he was playing there. Um, yeah, and he's come out and he's and he's really 
he's taken it to heart and said it just has to stop. Goods there, if you remember, he's used that, that young kid as an example, saying he actually gave the game up because of the way that the crowd used to treat him. And I just yeah. think, you know, when you look at what Chanel Harris-DeVita has done, is you are now going, kids are now going, well, there's just too much expectation on me. I, mm. It's not just about the money. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I, no, and I, I do. I, I when, love... I, when I looked at what he did, I was just like, man, I honestly take my hat off to you for walking away yeah. from that. Same, Kempi, I applaud him, honestly. He's made a courageous decision, and whatever he does, he'll look back on this time, and he'll enjoy his, his time in the NRL, and he might come back. He might find the love again and, and come back. He's only, he's really young, big future ahead of him, but one thing I would say, I say this quite a lot, and um, I was having a chat to my nephew, and I'll, I'll tell the story, and I said, oh, you know, how you find his school, and what do you get up to? And he's like, oh, I just love rugby. And I was like, bro, honestly, I was the same. You've got to apply yourself at school, mate. You've got to give yourself the best opportunity because reality is only 1% of players will go on and have a lustrous career, you know? Like, not everyone's going to crack it and you need something to fall back on. And and that's what I'll tell young kids is, is learn from my mistakes, you know? I went to school to eat lunch. Go to school, apply yourself, and try and find something that you love that is outside of sport because one day it might not eventuate and you want something to fall back on. So, uh, well written there, Kempe. Beautiful, mate. Caring for our communities. Out of the gym and off the park. Working just as hard paying it forward to our next generation. This is More Than An Athlete with Izzy and Kempe. Yes, it's the first edition of our new feature on the show this morning, More Than an Athlete, where we're going to speak to some great New Zealanders, not just about their sporting journey, but the work they are doing and have done off the court and field, creating opportunities for those less fortunate and giving back to their communities. Today, we're kicking it off with someone who couldn't have fitted the bill any more so. Marcus Daniel has competed in the biggest cauldrons in world sport, finding success at the Australian Open, Wimbledon, and of course, being part of that epic bronze medal moment with Michael Venus at the Olympics last year. But it's been off the court where Marcus has had his biggest impact so far, founding High Impact Athletes, an organisation which connects athletes with the most effective, evidence-based, evidence-based charities in the world and ultimately changes lives. Some of his signatures athletes and supporters include Joseph Parker, Luca Jones and even Stefana Titsipas which is quite incredible, but we'll let him explain his journey to this point and how a high-impact athlete was born. He's on the line with us now. Morning, Marcus. Appreciate your time, mate. Morning, guys. How are you? Very, very good, mate. I remember we had a uh, great chat with you last year, mate. Tell us, how's it all going? High-impact athletes. Talk to us about your journey, mate, outside of the court. Yeah, it's, it's been amazing, and it's still really picking up steam. Uh, so... At the moment, we're at over 140 athletes across the world. I think we're at over 35 different sports, over 30 different countries. So, um, yeah, we're, we're really growing as a community, which is amazing to see. And, yeah, this was actually sort of an idea born out of the, the boredom of COVID lockdown, um, where, I, you know, I'd been donating to, um, to these organizations myself since around 2015, uh, but I realized I could be doing a lot more in the advocacy space, you know, trying to 
speak out about this stuff and and speak out about why I thought this was so important. Uh, you know, being a being a Kiwi, I, I am impacted by the the tall, tall puppy syndrome, so it was a, a bit uncomfortable at first. But I think it's really important that if we do have a voice, that we speak out about what's important to us, and especially so if it's going to do good in the world. Hey, Marcus, how, recept- how receptive have other athletes been to this idea of uh, connecting and giving back? That's actually been one thing that's been a really beautiful surprise to me because I thought I was going to have to really pester people um, to, to try and bring them on board. But the, it's, it's actually sort of been the opposite. Like I, I feel like a lot of athletes that I speak to, they almost have a, have a sense of relief. Like, okay, here's something that has the sort of research and data behind it that I'm used to with my sport. And I know that the work has been done behind the scenes so I can step in and confidently do my bit um, without worrying about a gotcha moment or, you know, worrying that my money's going to the wrong place or that my, my image and my, my name is going to the wrong place. So that's been amazing to see actually that athletes are, are keen to come on board. It's, it's not a fight. It's like, okay, yeah, this really makes sense. How, how do I sign up? Can you tell us about some of the struggles and some of the examples that you've had to endure during your career to be able to, um, you might, you know, have some fellow athletes out there that will be listening to this to, to maybe overcome those those situations that you're put into? Yeah, for sure. So so I think the the biggest fear for athletes is that they say something that might not be entirely true or entirely based in fact and then the mob on social media comes after them and, and that's a really gutting feeling. Um, and you know, n- none of us want that. Um, and all of us are trying to do the right thing. So one thing that I hear a lot when I'm speaking to athletes is, you know, I sort of just want to keep my head ducked under cover and, and do my bit. But I think if, if we do that, then we're actually missing out on, on the second sort of big angle that we can use to, to make impact in the world. So one angle is that we can contribute directly, like by donating and that sort of stuff. But then this other huge lever that we have as athletes, especially as a collective, is a platform. And so being able to speak from that platform and being able to speak to our audiences about why giving back is good and why giving back to the most cost-effective places is even better, like that's that's super powerful. And, and you know, if we can speak loudly enough and if we have a big enough community, that can turn into a, a pretty epic snowball. So people are worried about, um, yeah, just, just saying saying something slightly wrong and, and being called out for it. Um, but that's why I think the, you know, the, the mountain of evidence that's behind these charities that we support, uh, if anyone has a problem with the charities, it's like, okay, please, please find a problem with the research because the people doing the research would love that. They'd love to, they'd love to have pointed out what mistakes they've made and they'd update their thinking. So yeah, I, I think it's a pretty robust. Um, it's a robust place to lean on uh, if you're an athlete, knowing that there's so much research behind it. Marcus, there's there's obviously lots going on with the planet, and I've read some stuff there and around carbon credits and and bits and pieces that you're looking at. From a from a from a player's perspective, though, what sort of other capital, apart from you know just donating? Um, financial benefits to a charity can an athlete give back with? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So the way I look at it, there are sort of three uh, ways that athletes can give back. The one and the most obvious is, is donating. But, you know, a, a lot of athletes actually aren't in a position where they have a huge amount of surplus money. You know, uh, it's, it's a lucky athlete that makes a ton of money in their career. Um, one angle is voice, as, as we spoke about. And then the third angle is time and, you know, going to places and, and giving your time and energy and, and presence. And this is actually where we see, um, you know, there's a bit of a split because the mainly the charities that High Impact Athletes focuses on, they operate in the poorest places in the world because that's where dollars can go the furthest. But if, if we're in New Zealand, then our presence realistically uh, can mainly be spent in New Zealand. You know, like we, we, can, we can only physically affect the things that are around us. So I absolutely recommend that our athletes go to their, their local schools, they go to their local soup kitchens or whatever's around them, their local, um, you know, SPCAs and volunteer their time. And I think that's the best way, that's the best use of their time. But if they're going to, to donate, then I think we can actually do the most good if we direct our donations to the poorest places in the world where just by virtue of, you know, New Zealand being relatively wealthy, our, our dollar can go dozens of times further. Mate, time is money, and I'm sure that the athletes giving up their time is, is obviously more than muff, and you've spoken about it. Uh, most of these, some of these athletes, they, they do what do their mahi, they do their work, and they uh, get skittles in the end. So time and, and the impact that they're able to have on these countries and these people around the world, is, uh, it'll be more than enough, mate. But talk to us about your team behind high-impact athletes. Obviously, you've, you would have a good team around you to support you, or, or are you taking the full workload yourself? Well, that's, that's been a beautiful change. So initially it was just me, and I actually thought it was just going to be a small enough uh, enterprise that it would be able to be just me. But very, very quickly, like within a couple of months of, of launching it publicly, I, I realized that I'd need help. Um, so now we're at the stage where uh, we have two full-timers. So I'm, I'm one at the moment, particularly now at the moment, I'm, I'm recovering from knee surgery. So I have bugger all else to do. So I'm I'm able to go completely full-time into this. Um, earlier this year, Hugo Ingalls, who's a, a vastly experienced black sticks player, um, he started working with us. He was actually one of the first athletes that pledged 2% of his income through to these organizations, but now he's actually working as part of the HIA team. Um, and then we actually have three other part-time employees, one of whom is, is New Zealand's top female tennis player, Erin Routliff. Um, she's been doing amazingly over the last year or so. I think she's sitting at around 30 in the world, um, just lost a, a nail-biter in the second round of the US Open. So she's helping up, us with our comms. We have, um, we're working with an agency in the UK around marketing, etc. And then we also have a, um, a sprinter in Melbourne who is a sprinter himself and is also coaching uh, the fastest 800-meter female um, He's helping us with some strategy stuff and some IT stuff. So I love the fact that it's sort of by athletes for athletes. Um, it means that it's mm. us speaking to peers rather than, uh, you know, uh, I guess the, the normal model would be non-athletes trying to trying to bring athletes on board. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're a, a small team, but I, I think we're doing really well. And I think we're almost at a stage where we might have to, to grow one more. That, sound, that sounds awesome, Marcus. Your gratitude bucket. You know, just give us an example of the impact that this has had 
uh, so far. And, and, and of course, since you've started, how do you feel about that impact? Oh, this is, this is the beautiful thing. And it's, it's sort of, it's somewhat selfish, but like giving back and doing good is one of the only things in, in that I've read about that's been proven to actually make us feel better, to, to make us feel happier. And it's been my experience that the moment, so I, I think I, I first made a 1% pledge in, in 2016, uh, and that completely changed the way that I thought about tennis and thought about my career because it meant that every day that I went out onto a practice court and even more particularly every day that I went out onto a match court, the better I did, it was great for myself. Like if I won a match, it was great for myself, but it was also now great for something so much bigger than myself. And that wider perspective on using my career to do good was just huge for me. It was, it was really a, a, a sea change in, in the way that I approached my career. And, you know, I, since then, each year I sort of pushed into the slightly uncomfortable level of, of how much I felt like I could give. And, and last year I made a 10% commitment for the rest of my life. And, and that, you know, five years ago, that would have seemed scary. But now it's like, no, this is, this is something that I really deeply believe in. I know that it's doing a huge amount of good in the world. But then on the flip side, I actually feel really good doing it. So it's not only about what I'm giving there's also a huge amount that comes back and that's quite intangible. And, you know, it's like, it's hard to quantify, but I, I feel that very deeply in my own life. Um, and, you know, I, I just think it's been a, a beautiful positive thing for me, both in my career on court and, and also for me as a person off court. I've got the warm fuzzies, mate. I've got the warm fuzzies going through my body. It's um, <laughs> honestly, it's amazing. It's amazing. And you did right. There is no bit of feeling when you give someone something, no matter how big or small, and seeing the smile and the impact it has on their faces, I love it. Absolutely. I love it. And there's nothing that makes me feel um, better than that, seeing a, a smile. As simple as getting someone a coffee, eh, hey, Joe? As simple as getting someone a coffee and, and offering it up. That's as little as it can be. Mate, quickly, before we let you go, obviously you've had knee surgery, um, but how's, how's the body, mate? Are we going to see you back on the court shortly? Uh, probably not shortly. So it's been, yeah, this is, this is the longest recovery I've experienced. Um, but I am supposedly I am on track. I, I saw the surgeon, um, about 10 days ago and he said, you know, this is about where we should expect you to be. Um, but this year is definitely out. And then it's, it's a question of whether I'd be ready for next year. And also there are some tactical questions around, you know, I have a, yeah, it gets, gets pretty complex, but I have a thing called a protected ranking and it's like, okay, limited opportunities to use that protected ranking where does it make most sense to um to use them but yeah so it's it's definitely at least some months away okay beautiful mate beautiful we look forward to seeing you back on the court you're doing some amazing work mate high impact athletes honestly fantastic more kiwis like you more people like you around the world will be a much better place quickly just we're gonna let you go i just want you to what would you say to online bullies, mate? What would be the the one thing you would say to online bullies about the impact that they're having to uh, on people? Not if you athletes or just anything. I've just read a story that Arul has tagged me in about this young kid, Thomas Potter, racing and uh, the bullying that he's having to go through. But what would you say to to online bullies? Oh, mate, it's um, it's nasty. I mean, yeah, like almost almost every match that I play, I'd have you know, threats against my family, death threats against me, 
popping up in, in all my social media accounts. It's, it's a real thing. Uh, and I think what I'd say is to those bullies is flip the script. Like, put yourself in, in my shoes. Put yourself in the person you're bullying's shoes. Imagine how it would feel, especially after you've just, just lost something or you've just done something that, that's already yeah. making you feel pretty bad. And imagine how it feels to have people threatening your life or your family's life or, or that sort of thing. It's inhumane and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually pretty devastating. And um, there's not much that we can do about it except try to block it out. But, you know, when you're already in a vulnerable space, blocking it out is really not easy. Um, so in so many situations in life, I, I just... I think it's a good idea to flip the script and put yourself in someone else's shoes, and I wish those those people did that more often. Yeah, for sure, mate. Very, very wise words from uh, Marcus Daniel. We appreciate you coming on, mate, and keep up the fantastic work you are doing with High Impact Athletes. Appreciate your time, uh, and all the best with your recovery of your knee, mate. Hey, thank you so much, and thanks for, for starting this, this segment or this show. I think it's amazing what you guys are doing and, and shining light on the stuff that athletes can and are doing off court. I think it's beautiful. So good stuff to you guys. Go well, Marcus. Marcus Daniel. Thank you very much, mate. Thanks, guys. Good work, Louis. No worries. Great start. That was, um, he was the perfect, perfect bloke to start with in the end. So Joe and me were having a, trying to deep deep dive yesterday to try and work out someone that kind of encapsulated what this new feature in the show is going to be about. And, we kind of chanced upon Marcus Daniel, who nailed it. It's all about him. It is. It, he did nail it. Kempe and high performance, mm. uh, yeah, high impact athletes. I, I think that's such an interesting space, and you guys have both been there. And I, I don't. I'm guessing it resonated when he kind of said, "You're kind of scared. You're putting yourself out there. You want all the facts, and what he's he's doing mm. is bridging that gap, so you don't look silly, and you actually make a difference. And he's taking that legwork out. And I just think it's an ingenious concept, Kempe. Oh yeah, it is. Like you, you look at that. Uh, let's just let's just take a, a recent um, incident, I guess, the, of this type of giving back, where the NRL gave that twenty percent of players' wages back that they had to give up because of COVID. Mm. Now, the concept in and around what he's trying to achieve is to make such a big difference in the world. A small percentage of that could have made a difference. If it was mm. if it was funneled back through into a different area in life, I, there's so many good things to like about that. One, giving back and hitting the nail on. It's just not about money, you know. Like the mm. time and effort. Like time is capital, and if you've got the time, and I'm 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 massive on this myself. If you're, what I don't see enough of of people who have been in high performance sport actually working with their own communities. And, and just giving them some, some support in and around, especially in the lower side of our society, getting them just a smile on their face. So this this conversation that I've had with Marcus, my head's going all over the place with it. There's one thing, but just so happy that finally people now who do want to give back actually have somewhere they can connect. And if we've got athletes or ex-athletes that are listening to the show this morning, contact Marcus. Do the, do the right thing and contact Marcus and see what there is out there that you can actually give back if it only is, like he said, to go and visit someone in your own community. We caught up with the CEO of the Winter Games, Martin Toomey, last week to hear about how the return of the much-loved event was giving opportunities to all our young Kiwis and playing a major part in growing our snow sports game 
down here in Aotearoa. The flip side of growing the sport, though, is luring the world's best athletes here to compete in our conditions and stomp in our backyard. We've got a legendary English free skier, James Woodsy Wood, who has been a visitor down these ways plenty throughout the years. He's an ex-Games gold medalist and a world champ too, and he's back in Aotearoa with the Big Air and Park Jam events up this weekend. Morning, James. How are you, mate? Good morning. Yeah, I'm doing very well, thank you. Ooh, sounds like you're enjoying the enjoying the old uh, the snow down there. Definitely wonderful to be back in New Zealand. Love it here. Um, yeah, excited about the weekend as well. It's big stuff. Oh, good man. You've competed. You've competed, mate, and had plenty of success at the Winter Games. What's the appeal of this event, though, down here in New Zealand? Well, I mean, first of all, obviously, you get to come to New Zealand, which is a big deal, and. Uh, it's, a, it's an amazing place, you know, not just for the skiing. So it's always special to be here. But it's also the first event of the year. Uh, and that's a big deal, you know, sort of on the calendar. And as far as like teeing up the whole season is concerned, you know, it's always pretty, uh, everyone from around the world is pretty jealous of all the New Zealand guys. Like growing up, you know, they get two winters and they when they go away. And obviously that doesn't seem that appealing, you know, as far as the sun's concerned. But they're shredding year round. So that's such a big deal um it's you know, a great way to set yourself up for the season what's the life of a, a slope shredder mate what's the life of a slope shredder like mate? you travel around the world is it is it as good as it looks i mean it's amazing um any opportunity to do what you want to do and you know that be sort of the job is is the dream right um and i i love this gig because it's exactly what i want to do and it's sort of you know, when when you can portray your sort of personality and, and what you love, like, through your sport, I, I think that that's just, that's just the dream case scenario, and I'm lucky enough to be able to do that, you know? So that's what it looks we're like lucky to me. Enough. Yeah, we're lucky enough to be able to witness it this weekend, mate. Big year. What are we expecting from the big woodsy? Have we got some new tricks up your sleeve? Backwards flips. What do you got for us, bud? Uh, plenty, plenty flips, lots of new stuff. Like I say, it sets us up so well for the rest of the season. So I come down here uh, with an eye to do some of those new tricks for the for the first time, at least this season. And you know, also the the rest of the world, even people that aren't here, have eyes on New Zealand. Um, so it'll be like, okay, so who's on form this year? You know, so it's kind of a really good place to prove yourself. Um, you know, going going forward into the season with invitations for other events like coming up in the Northern Hemisphere winter as well. So, yeah, it's definitely not a shy away event. Like, lay it all out. Hey, Woodsy, back in the day when you and uh, Jossie were duking it out, did you have an inkling that New Zealand was about to be supercharged in this sport um, with Nico and, and Zoe Sadowski Sunit? Uh, honestly, like it, 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 it felt that way. I, I've always felt like uh, coming down here to, to Wanaka, to New Zealand has been um, my secret weapon. You know what I mean? Like I, I've been coming for a long time and I've been like, well, why is no one coming down for the second winter? You know, like I'm here shredding with all of these groms. Um, and obviously the first priority was to be shredding with Jossie. Um, you know, we've, we've been good friends for a long time and obviously he's done incredible things in this space and has inspired so much of the up and coming crew in New Zealand. And I think that it, although it's amazing to see how, you know, kind of tiny little New Zealand is doing on the world stage, you know, with, with, with so many superstars in across free ski and snowboard, um, 
it's kind of in a way when I think about it, not surprising. Do, do you know what I mean? Because like, there's a huge amount of passion, there's a huge amount of opportunity and kind of the way that New Zealand gets behind New Zealanders um, in yeah. sport, at least is in my experience is just unbelievable. So, and because I know all these guys so personally, I'm like, well, of course they're doing so well because they are that talented, but maybe I just look at it from a, strange perspective <laughs> no i love it it's it's been a fascinating um uh, thought you know like why are we having so much success little old new zealand down here and we go to the olympic winter games and we get medals and we keep meddling so can have you so what have you said like have you noticed like the program that they're offering in new zealand obviously we've got some, our backyard is just filled with some amazing slopes but can is there like one thing you can point at while we're having so much success the program's amazing. There is, there is a lot of support. There's obviously a lot of inspiration that's come beforehand. I would say as well, mm. um, a key point, and it's, it's, you know, you guys will be proud of it. And it's, it's, I, I see that it's like a Kiwi, you know, point of honor that, you know, you're kind of rough and ready and you're ready to rock. Like, you know, you're sort of not concerned about what maybe a perfect conditions day might be like. And they're not the best conditions on the mountain. Like they're not world-class. They're not, perfect you know it's, mm. it's it's out here and everyone's sort of mucking in and getting it done and I, and I feel like with all respect that that's the kiwi mentality right like you know everyone's like up for it and the person that's complaining you know gets left behind you, you, you know so there's really no room for that in this like uh i don't know culture yeah if, if you kind of can if i can say that um and i think that that goes a long way in um in, in the in the free ski and snowboard division you know like the personality i'm up for it i'll do it you know I, i'm not going to shy away because the conditions are off i'm not going to shy away because i'm getting nervous i'm fully ready to commit to you know x y and z I, and that sort of mentality goes a long way in, in what we do so i think that it's actually when you break it down, not a surprise that New Zealand's doing so well because you need to be a bit, you know, if you're going to be dumb, you've got to be tough. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, you, you, 100%. You're making perfect sense, Woodsy. Hey, mate, your voice, your voice is like made for the DJ decks or on the mic at somewhere. Is there a big rap party? Like, do you get up there or are you got any commentating gigs you got going on, mate? You got the greatest broadcasting, like, ski voice, I reckon. Uh, well, I, I appreciate that very much. I, I love free skiing and I love doing it myself. But if my second favorite thing is talking about it. So, yeah, any opportunity I get to get on a microphone and do some of the commenting gigs, I, I don't compete in the Superpipe anymore. So any opportunity, you know, that, that comes up a lot, the opportunity to commentate on the Superpipe. Um, and I, I was up there just at the sort of preliminary event at the Winter Games earlier or, or last week. Um, so I was commentating that, and I, I enjoy it a lot. So, so that that that's uh, that's a compliment come from you guys. So thank you. <laughs> hey, Woodsy, uh, I want to be talking more. Woodsy, just before we let you go, just give us a name, mate. I know that they chop you into probably the best waves down the south, and definitely the best peaks. Are you are you allowed to share some secret a secret name with me? For what? What For, secret name? Are you gonna? Are, has anyone chopped you into a slope somewhere that that no one knows about here in New Zealand? Oh yeah, loads. <laughs> <laughs> they just say what they just definitely, try and name definitely. it. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, no way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Sure, there's tons. Right? You, that's, that's the most of fun, right? You've got to come yes. down, you've got to find it. <laughs> oh, that's James Woods joining us on SEN for breakfast this morning. Hey, James, thanks a lot for coming in, mate. Go hard. Yep, you're dead right. You, you've got to be tough. Um, and I hope you pull off some some uh, some major oh some major freaky stuff when we're watching you guys down there in the in the South Island this uh, in this know, game. Me too, thank you. Cheers, <laughs> Woodsy. Oh. oh, legend! I'm so glad we tracked him down. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.